What's up, everyone? Happy whenever you're listening to this episode. It's really great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for lending me your attention for about 30 minutes. Today, we have a super awesome guest on the show that I'm really, really excited to get to. Uh, I've known Stephen Helmick for years and years and years through Twitter. I go back on my DMs, which I like to do often and look at kind of just the uh, just the history with people. I've never met Stephen in person, which is not abnormal for an educator in this connected world. And let me tell you, this guy is just so positive and always thinking about kids and teachers. He's a runner. His school is really big. He's in the Little Rock, Arkansas area. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you do as well. Please subscribe to the podcast. Most of you listen on iTunes. Also, uh, a few others on Spotify. Please subscribe. Please leave a rating and write a review. It helps uh, get the podcast out there. And if you feel so inclined, share the podcast, email it to friends. There's that little box with three little dots. Just click on it and hit copy link and you can uh, share it with a colleague or maybe your superintendent or assistant superintendent or director. And uh, if you like it and you uh, you want to share. So thank you for all that you do. Thanks for listening. and. Stephen Helmick. So today on the podcast, Stephen Helmick. Stephen, welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, Adam. Great to hear be here, buddy. Dude, we've known each other for years and years and years. I always try to go back and remember kind of like the origin connection. And I don't remember if it was running, if it was Kids Deserve It, if it was Principles in Action. Do you remember how we originally got connected? Yeah, it was actually all of the above. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was, it, was, it was a little hybrid of all of that. And I, I remember just reaching out to you via Twitter and, and just really loved um, what you guys were doing with Kids Deserve It and really resonated with that. And so through that, you know, made some contact and then was able to have some conversations with you about just leadership and what it looks like. I was early in my career at that point and in terms of leadership. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a few years though, for sure. Yeah, we're going to get into being a connected educator in a minute. But Stephen, for the people out there that don't know who you are, tell us who you are, tell us what you do, just kind of give us the give us the lowdown. Yeah, so I am the proud principal and lead learner at Roberts Elementary in the Little Rock School District in Little Rock, Arkansas, um, 13th year in education. Uh, I have uh, I taught fourth and fifth grade uh, for quite a few years and then jumped into the assistant principal role for three years. And then this is year four for me as, as principal and um, man, outside of, of work stuff, I am uh, man, got a wonderful wife and four awesome kids, uh, seventh grade, fifth grade, third grade, and first grade, and then a crazy dog that keeps us busy too. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? A Labradoodle. Oh, nice. We just got a new golden retriever. So there's a, 
it's always a it's always a good breed. Um, so, dude, let's just talk about being a connected educator because I'll tell you, I had I had a guest on the other day, and we were talking about books and people to follow, and everybody that she mentioned. I was like in my head, I know that person. They're friends of mine. They're friends of mine. I know that person. And it's still, it's still just staggering to me that in 2021, there are still educators, especially leaders, because being a leader is, I think, even more lonely because you're the only one usually at your school that are not connected. So, dude, give us the like elevator pitch of people that are listening, however, they found this podcast why they should get connected and then maybe how to get connected like a really simple two three step process of what they should do or what they could do to become a connected educator yeah i think connection is key right because connection is key whether you're in your building uh or or whether you're trying to find ways to connect with others outside of your building and i think that's so important because if we if we isolate ourselves to the bubbles that we're in we limit ourselves to the impact that we could have as educators and just the ability for us to grow and network and change ourselves. And, you know, I think we're all in a process of becoming more of who we are. And so I think that for me, Twitter was one of those fantastic things, right? And I know that all things aren't for all people, but Twitter has been a phenomenal thing for me because it's enabled me to get connected with like-minded people and also people that are different than me that have stretched my thinking. And so I think that that's one just natural way to, to jump into that Find those hashtags that you resonate with, ask those questions, um, take risk in that. And I think that um, outside of that, there's, there's other ways of just when you, you connect with those people via social media platforms, you don't have to then use social media to stay connected, right? You can build those relationships and stuff that you can connect outside of that. So um, I, I think start small, right? You're, you're not going to be able to, to have you know, a million connections overnight, but you're going to find those people that you resonate with and they're going to make you better because of it. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And I would say too, you don't want tons and tons of connections overnight because that might be hard to, to manage. And the simplest thing is I still feel that Twitter is just the best place to initiate those connections. And if you're, if you're an elementary principal or a high school principal or whatever your job is, just go to Twitter and type in, elementary principal and you're going to find Steven you're going to find thousands of people from all over the country and just go follow a hundred elementary school principals and you don't know who you're going to really really connect with I mean our origin connection I have to go back and look at our dms but probably six seven eight years ago maybe I mean like a long time and you don't know when you're going to need those people but those people are out there and just don't be on leadership educator island in 2021 because you're better when you're connected just like you said so talk about your path um, of leadership um, we had a very similar path I was an assistant principal and then assist and then then a principal and you've had that path too and the more I talk to a lot of people that have made the jump from teacher right to principal I think that's a mistake for, for many reasons. And some people, there's just not the opportunity because they're in a small area or a rural area right. and there just aren't those assistant principal jobs. But what did, what did the assistant principal job do for you to prepare for the principalship, especially at the size school that you're at? I mean, a thousand kids, K-5. What has that done for you, Stephen? Oh, it's a game changer, Adam. I, I think that 
the idea of going from the classroom to principalship, gosh, that's terrifying for me, honestly. I, I think that um, it allows you, I think one, I think the AP role is one of the coolest roles in education I, because you, you are deep in leadership, yet it all doesn't fall on you at the end of the day, right? And so, um, so many opportunities to learn and grow and develop. And for me, I have that, right? I, I got that as, as, as a classroom teacher. Um, I tell my, my staff all the time, like, please, if you ever see me, if you feel like I've forgotten what it's like to be in the classroom, let me know. Like, I need to know that because I think that the best leaders are those that have that pulse all the time on, on what teachers are experiencing and feeling and dealing with in the classroom. Um, but, you know, my story, when, when I jumped into the assistant principal role, uh, my my former principal, Barbara Anderson, man, just a phenomenal woman, a, a, a leader of decades in education, and to be able to be in her office and watch her work her magic, right, with, with families, to be able to learn from someone and to grow from someone like that was just tremendous for me and my skill set. Um, and here's the beautiful thing I think about being an assistant principal uh, before you jump into the principal role. You are not going to be a direct replica of that principal. But what you can see is you can say, hey, what is it about those, those leaders above me that I love and I want to carry on when I become a principal? And what are those other things that I might want to do differently? And I think that that's the beautiful thing about that role. Um, and I really feel like the AP role set me up for success to be more of an effective principal. Yeah, if people could see me, I'm just nodding my head constantly <laughs> because all of that is so true. I remember when I was an assistant principal, my principal, Nadine Rosenzweig, shout out to Nadine, still a very good friend of mine. I would, I would just sit in meetings that she would be running and I wouldn't say anything. I remember she asked me, hey, do you want to come in this meeting? I'm having this conversation about this special ed student or whatever, or teacher or parent. And I would just sit there and I was a sponge and absorb, absorb, absorb. And like you said, listen to how she would approach things or put it out there or talk to a teacher. And then slowly over time, she would empower me to run the meeting and um, whatever, whatever it may be, because gosh, it's a big jump from teacher to principal. And I know people that have done it, but it's kind of like going from player to head coach, be the offensive coordinator, be the special teams coach, you know, be the hitting coach in baseball, whatever it might be. And just as much as you can. And even if you are an elementary school teacher and there are no elementary assistant principal jobs, go be a middle school or high school assistant principal for even just two years. And it may not be the grade level that you want. It's okay. It's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to make you grow. And then go back to the elementary school level and be a principal because that experience is so valuable as well too. But what advice would you give to other educators that want to get into school leadership? So Stephen, the teacher, you told yourself, okay, I want to get into school leadership. What did you do to get yourself ready, to put yourself out there, to connect with central office? What were some of those steps that people could maybe replicate in their own life if they're looking to get into school leadership? Sure. I, I think it's important to always be thinking ahead, right? You never want to have like potentially that opportunity come about and you're not ready. And so um, I would, if, if you think that there's any type of, of desire in you to, to be in, in leadership in terms of um, principalship, 
I would let your superintendent know. I would let your current principal know. I would I'd say, hey, like this is something that I, I kind of sense. I'm not sure when I might be ready for that because those people can guide and direct you, whether it's programs of study that you might need to have. There might be programs within your district of, of where they might be training and preparing um, future leaders. I know my district does that. It's a phenomenal opportunity for those people to learn from others. And, and I would say this too. Um, one thing going back to earlier part of our conversation, Adam, is as a principal, I feel like one of my main responsibilities, you know, being in a school of over a thousand students, I have two assistant principals and I feel very fortunate for that. But like when I, when I look at my AP team, I feel like it behooves me and it is my responsibility as a, as a leader on our campus to prepare them to be principals, right? Like I do not just say, hey, your job is this and stay in your lane. Like I don't wanna micromanage them. I wanna empower them to have opportunities so like they can see everything, experience everything, find ways to fail forward themselves in their leadership journey, um, learn from those mistakes. So that way when the time comes for them, if there's an opportunity to be a principal themselves, they're ready to jump on that. And that's been exciting for me in my four short years as, as a principal. Um, I've, I've actually had two of my APs already take principal jobs. And I think that the exposure that they had as an AP really set them up for success as leaders in their own building. Uh, everyone should just rewind the last four minutes of everything that Steven said and just listen to it or send it to a friend because there are just so many leadership gems there. First off, you have two assistant principals. That's not fair. I was an assistant principal. We had 1,200 kids and it was just me and the principal. It was great though. And I think for me, the one of the biggest nuggets there is let your superintendent know what you want to do and who you want to be. Oh my gosh, I've had that conversation with so many people over the years, Stephen. And I'll say, oh my God, you never told me you wanted to do this. Like make an appointment. And if the superintendent is too busy, then meet with the assistant superintendent or the director of instruction, whoever the, whatever the structure is, because people don't know. I mean, my first principal was a nice guy. I had my admin credential. He didn't use me at all in that capacity. I was trying to get into school leadership. We had a new principal two weeks into her tenure. She meets with me. She said, hey, I heard that you have your admin credential. I said, I sure do. What did you do with it? I said, nothing. The other person didn't, wouldn't let me do anything. Right away, she put me in charge of preschool speech IEPs, you know, she didn't want to do it. It was great experience for me. Um, but you got to let people know you just you really have to let people know. You so do. you do. And Adam, one thing I'll say to that is like, what, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, right? Like, if <laughs> totally. Oh, like, okay, well, like, you're, you're no worse off than if you didn't ask. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's the thing I think as educators, whether it's leadership, or, or even just like anything we do in our career, I tell my staff all the time, man, we've got to fail forward. Like you've got to be willing to take risks. You've got to be willing to put yourself out there um, because our, our, our kids need that. Like in, in our, our teachers that we surround ourselves with, our, our cohort and stuff like that, they need that as well. They need us to be people that are forward thinking um, because that's the only way I think that ultimately our students are going to get what they need. Yeah, I, I say this all the time when I speak, you have nothing to lose. The only thing that you have to lose is, not having a door potentially open for you that that you walk through. I mean, if you're a teacher, don't meet with a superintendent and tell the superintendent that you want to be the superintendent within five years. I mean, don't don't do that. But also, too, if you meet with the district leadership and you tell them your ambitions 
and maybe they are kind of cold and they don't foster you, maybe that's telling you that that's a place that you don't want to be long term and get into leadership. It's also a way to kind of inform yourself on where you should be or where you want to be based on your future goals. So Stephen, you are a principal, you have a thousand students, you have a wife that is a nurse, so a high speed job, you have four kids, you have a dog. And my question to you is, are you a hard worker? Or are you a workaholic? Man, what a good question. I, I, uh, I can confidently say I'm a hard worker. Um, you know, talking about superintendents, when I was applying for the principal job, uh, my kids were young, right? And, and I, I looked at my superintendent and I said, look, if you're looking for the, the guy whose car is going to be the absolute last car in the parking lot every single night, don't hire me. Um, I, I will get the job done. I will find ways to do that. Maybe some nights it's burning the candle at both ends. But um, on the flip side, you know, when my kids have events, I'm going to be there. Um, I, I've got to find ways to, to take care of myself, to make sure that I'm an effective husband and dad. And, and honestly, I think that when we model that, when we model that, that, that work-life balance, it's beneficial for our staff, right? If I'm up here at work every Saturday grinding it out, what is that communicating to my staff? That my expectation is that they're grinding it out every Saturday. And, and that's not healthy and that's not realistic, um, and so I think, you know, definitely not wanting to be a workaholic, but being a hard worker and finding ways to like de-implement things that, that don't need to happen. What's that low hanging fruit that I can let go and focus on the stuff that matters most? Yeah, I, I never, my car was never the last one in the parking lot. And people, people talk about that, like a badge of honor. Mm. And when you're, when you're happy and you're healthy and you have balance and you have barriers up in your personal life, when you come to work, you're going to be happier and healthier. And I'll tell you, like, I mean, we've done the job. We've both been assistant principals. I've been a principal. You are a principal. I mean, I've been a director for a large school district with 50 schools. And I would, I, I challenge people that I meet on the road that are principals that are there till six o'clock or seven o'clock at night and they're every weekend. And I ask them, what are you doing? Because I've done the job. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that may talk about being a school leader that have never been a school leader. And if, if you haven't, you just don't know. And I just don't know what they're doing there mm -hmm. that late. I don't think they're being inefficient. And that's a very general statement, but they're yeah. not being efficient or they're not taking away things that they shouldn't be doing because they've always been doing them. And it's a deeper conversation than that. But I don't know. I want to be remembered as a hard worker and not a workaholic. And I want to stay married to my wife and I want to be there, you know, walking my dog and coaching my kids. And uh, I just think it's a really, and it's hard right now. I mean, the lines I think are more blurred than normal with COVID and, you know, cases and virtual and distance and all these quarantine. I mean, there's so many things going on and your schools need you more than ever, but your families need you more so. Oh, um, and it's so complex, Adam. You're exactly right. But I think here's the thing, right? 20, 30 years from now, are people going to remember that your car was in the parking lot at seven o'clock at night? Or are your kids going to remember that you showed up and you were present, right? And I just think that we've, we've got to keep our focus on the main thing and realizing that in education, there are, there are peaks and valleys, right? There are times of the year where it is guns a-blazing. <laughs> you are just burning mm -hmm. the candle like crazy. But, but you can't live like that. You can't sustain that. And I'll tell you this, if I go mountain biking or if I go running and I make those kinds of things a priority, if 
my staff is going to enjoy me more as a leader. hundred percent, hundred percent. And your family will too. And it's all just, you're, you're on the path to more harmony, just from a happiness standpoint. Uh, I mean, forget the curriculum and reading levels and all that stuff. That's important, but your, your physical psyche has to be, has to be uh, in, in tune. So let's talk about mentors. You, you mentioned uh, your superintendent um, and having a conversation with them, but uh, mentors have meant so much to me. And I have a lot of conversations with school leaders that say, oh no, I know, you know, I, I need a mentor and this and that. And people know that but I don't know if people take it seriously enough to really, it's kind of like a friendship. Like if you want friends in your life, you got to spend time and, and nurture them. And it's hard with demanding jobs and family, but what has the mentors in your life meant to you, Stephen? And what advice could you give to other people to have a mentor or mentors in their professional life? Yeah, I, I think that there is so much value in having a mentor. And also, I would, I would add to that, having a mentee. Um, I, I think that we constantly need to be looking at ourselves of how are we pouring into others, but then how are we also reaching out to finding that person that's a step further down the road than we are, um, whether it be work life or, or personal life, of just like, hey, you, you, you've done this before, like, let me sit and just ask questions and gain some wisdom from you. And, and I think that it goes back to what we were seeing earlier with the superintendents and stuff, like ask the question. If you see someone that you respect and, and you're like, I, I could benefit from that person. Hey, can we grab coffee together? Can we just chat on the phone for a few minutes? Because I have a few questions that, that I'm, you know, I, I don't think the right thing to say is to go up to someone and say, hey, will you be my mentor and we can meet every week for the next two years? You know, <laughs> I think that might turn some people off pretty quickly, but I, I think that like reach out there and say, Hey, can we connect over coffee? Can we find some way to chat and see how the dynamics work? And if it's a great encounter and meeting, then be like, Hey, can we put this on the calendar to do it again? I, I think that those organic relationships that can be built that way really, man, they just, they, they're, they're so good for the soul, right? They're, they're so beneficial for us. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, don't just keep all that inside. Look for those people, um, maybe on your staff or, or that, that are maybe new educators and grab one of them underneath your wing and say, hey, let's, let's, go, let's go grab a bite to eat together and, and talk about what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, and give them that space, that, a safe space where they can try to just learn more from you too. So I, I think I am constantly trying to, and I'm not perfect at it. I mean, there, there are times when I, I feel like, gosh, I really need someone that I can you know, pour into or be poured into by. But I think that if we're constantly just assessing that and where we're at in life, I think that we're going to benefit others and benefit ourselves in the process. Yeah, I, I love what you said about just kind of asking, asking people to be your mentor. I feel, you know, it happens different ways. Sometimes you're assigned a mentor. Sometimes it's just kind of fortuitous through a Twitter connection or a retired person. But sometimes finding a mentor is a little bit like dating. You got to you gotta kind of go look out there on the landscape. Who do you look up to? Who do you respect? Who do you think maybe has the same, you know, quote unquote, educational leadership values as you? And then maybe, then maybe you got to kind of ask them out. I mean, I've been asked out by, by quite a few, you know, in quotes, asked out by quite a few school leaders and just educators from around the country because they felt maybe that our ours were aligned and it's been a great relationship over the years. I mean, I'm thinking about like a dozen people and you just got to put yourself out there and kind of like 
something we talked about earlier, what do you have to lose? Um, it, all you have to lose is they don't respond. They say they don't have time or, or, Hey, you know what? I don't think I'm the right person for you, but here's a couple other people that I know. And maybe you could connect with them. And sometimes that is the right move. Um, but just, just putting yourself out there. So on this podcast, Stephen, we love talking about books. So what is there a book that changed your viewpoint on education or leadership and maybe it's not even an education book maybe it's a business or military leadership book so uh, give us a one or two or three book recommendations for the audience yeah so my my media specialist on our campus she's she's a phenomenal educator herself and um, she opened up the opportunity for us a couple years ago um, to share outside of our office or our classroom what books that you know maybe we've just finished or we're currently leading reading because we, we wanted our students to see that man readers are leaders and leaders are readers right and so how, how can we model that and so um, right outside my office door I've got books that I finished this summer and so I'm just going to go with the ones I've some of the books I've read this summer that were impactful for me um, one was The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, it's by John Mark Comer. And man, what a fantastic book of, of just, I, I, I think that, you know, one of my mentors once in life told me, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Um, and so that was just a good book of saying in the midst of just this society where we are microwave, not crockpot, like mentality, right? Like how can you slow down? So The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, another good one is Leadership in Turbulent Times. Um, that's been a really cool read um, this summer that I read in terms of looking at different uh, presidents that we've had and how they handled turbulent times. And gosh, let's be honest, right? We're in turbulent times right mm -hmm. now in our society. And so gleaning from those leaders before us. And so that one's been good too. And then honestly, the, the, a book right now that, that I am currently reading that has been really, really challenging. And I'm gonna be taking my staff that wanna be a part of it through a book club that we're gonna be doing and doing some Twitter chats with it is uh, Principal Kefele's book, The Equity and Social Justice Education, 50 Critical Questions for Improving Opportunities and Outcomes for Black Students. And so um, I'm, in, I'm just digging into that, but I'm very excited for what, what conversation is gonna come from that. Yeah, we love we love the book recommendations here on the podcast. So I want to know about Little Rock. Uh, Arkansas is one of the few states I've never been to. My brother used to go to Little Rock, I think every month. Uh, he worked for a company that did business with obviously Walmart because they're in Arkansas. So I've read a lot of articles about like the mountain biking trails around Little Rock. You briefly mentioned mountain biking. If people are thinking or heard of Little Rock, dude, give us the like chamber of commerce pitch on what's great about Little Rock, the Little Rock school district where you work. Go for it, Stephen. Yeah, man, you're missing out, Adam. We got to find a way to get you here to Arkansas. So um, full transparency, I'm a native Arkansan. Come in the fall or the spring, right? Avoid the summer if you can. It's brutally hot. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Little Rock is a fantastic city. I, I love living here. Um, here's the beautiful thing about Arkansas. It is a hidden kept secret in terms of, you know, our motto is that we're the natural state. And that is so true. Um, there are There are mountains, there are... Uh, if you are a lake person, you can you can live your best lake life here. Um, if hunting and fishing is your thing, man, you've got that. But there are also tons of road biking trails. There are um, 
um, mountain biking trails. I mean, gosh, 40, 50, 60 miles, even mm. the central Arkansas area for all types of riders. I mean, my kids, my first grader, she's got her mountain bike and she's out there rolling the hills and stuff. But then we've also got some pretty intense stuff that people that really like to launch off some pretty crazy things can do that too. Um, and so, yeah, really uh, great environment for family, uh, getting outside right now. I think we were talking about my run earlier this morning, 56 degrees this morning and being able to enjoy that. Um, and just uh, the, the scenery is beautiful. We do have four seasons here um, that, that are truly unique and different. And then, um, you know, my district, fantastic place to work. I, I feel like, in, in, and I think that whether you're in Little Rock, Arkansas or in California, where you're at, it's about the people, right? And, and I think that whether it's in my building or, or, or the leaders that, that are leading me at the district level, man, when you find people that care about people, then you can make anything happen. And I think that we've got a good thing going here in Little Rock within our school district of, of having people that really are trying to, to love and lead well. Yeah. What is the, um, what's the main marathon? Is it the Little Rock Marathon in Little Rock? Is that what it yeah, is? It is the Little Rock Marathon and, and they're doubling up this year. So due to COVID, they're doing it in November and then also March. March is the normal one. So yeah, we've got to find a way to get you down here. If you, uh, if you come and do the Little Rock Marathon, I'll run it with you. That, dude, that was my next question. Get out of my brain. I've done marathons all over the country and uh, I'm kind of thinking it'd be cool to do something and raise money for books or kids or I don't know, yeah, something, so, man. Hey, here, here's another reason why you've got to come to Little Rock <laughs> Marathon, right? Little Rock's Marathon has the largest marathon medal in the world. Oh, wow. It's like, I mean, you put it on after a marathon and like it knocks you to your knees. Like <laughs> it is massive. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great time of year to run. Uh, takes you through some pretty cool parts of our city, uh, historic Central High. Um, and, you know, the integration that happened there and mm. great history and stuff there. Lots of other cool places through the city that it takes you through. Um, you know, their, their mantra is what hills and that that's kind of ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> uh, Little Rock is a very hilly place. And so uh, you're probably not going to get your PR, but you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, no, I love it. Off to um, off to check the calendar and see what we could um, see what we can swing. So, Stephen, as part of this podcast, I love to amplify the voices of my guests. So I'm going to pass the microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the people that listen to the school district podcast? Go for it. So, Adam, I am a firm believer that if you don't tell your story, someone else will. Um, we've got to find a way to to share who we are um and and then on top of that too um be willing to take risk you know when i was a teacher uh, i had a quote in my classroom by robert f kennedy that said if only those who are willing to fail greatly can achieve greatly um and i think that you know you've got a lot of students that are, that are timid and hesitant or a lot of staff members that are timid and hesitant to take risk and i think that we've got to create that safe space for them um one way that we're trying to take a risk right now in the midst of covid is that we can't have people in our building like we want to and i think community is so valuable and so important for a school it truly like our hashtag at roberts is roberts rocks and like roberts rocks because of our community and i think that we're finding ways, you know, of, of, and COVID has pushed us to find unique ways to engage people. And one of those ways is um, we've started a school podcast. Um, every school sends out the newsletter, right? Every school tells people, hey, whether it's via an, an app or um, a paper copy or an electronic copy of something, hey, here's the events we're having. Here's when all this kind of stuff is going on. 
here's some information your kid needs to know, but that's like the logistics, right? Like that's the bottom of the barrel. Everyone's expected to do that. But like, how can we share our stories? And there's so many amazing things that are happening in our building. And, and, you know, everybody knows the principal, everybody knows their child's teacher, but they might not know that reading teacher. They might not know that special education teacher. They might not know the stories that are happening in your building. And so we've, we've, you know, man, we've jumped into the podcast world for our school, uh, Real Talk with the Eagles, uh, and, and just really having some fun conversations with our community and students and staff of sharing more of the stories, the heartbeat of our school. Um, and it's been a fun journey. Yeah, dude, you actually, your podcast, Real Talk with the Eagles, I have bookmarked on my computer and I've listened to episodes. I'm so into kids podcasting for their school principals. If you're still doing a newsletter, maybe you don't do a newsletter, do a podcast and have the kids involved because parents might be more inclined to listen and engage with that if they hear their child's voice. I'm going to link that in the show notes. So if you're looking for Stephen's podcast for his school, it is in there. Stephen, I think you are one of those principals that not enough people know about. We've known each other for years and years and years. Stephen Helmick, I'm going to link it in the show notes. On Twitter, dude, your smile is always just so electric. Whenever I see you post something, uh, it makes me just want to smile and do amazing things for kids and for teachers and the community. Also, you are the organizer of EdCamp Arkansas. I'll link that in the show notes as well, too. I think I'm pretty sure I've donated books to your EdCamp over the years, and it's a good reminder to me to connect with you again about that and send you some more books. If that is still happening, Stephen, my man, thank you for the time. Everyone listening, thanks for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.